Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. That's right. We love closure. Using closure makes us happy. We would love to make you happy by using closure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And and so where are we at? So as last week we were talking about this whole new world, the world of Sportify. <laughs> Sportify. I can't say it the way you do. <laughs> Sportify. <clears throat> yeah, maybe I should go into voiceover or something. Who knows? Fortify. <laughs> Fortify with Sportify. Now, see, that sounds like a beverage. <laughs> now with 50 vitamins and minerals. <laughs> and so what, what more could you possibly want in sports highlights in all of your social media feeds, right? I mean, that sounds like the perfect world. What do you think, Nate? <laughs> I mean, I think I think that sports fans, speaking as one as as as, as also, they, I think we often want want to see highlights more than we want to see the game. You know, <laughs> it's like yes, a, we uh, you know, whenever the ball passes a uh, you know from one person to another, or when it goes under or over a net, or you know, through a piece of upright metal or, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, <laughs> touches of some sort of net fabric. <laughs> yes, yes. Crashes into somebody. Parts. People crash into each other. <laughs> all the all the exciting moments, broken appendages, all, all the things, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, uh, so, of course, we want to get Sportify clips into the social media feeds, but we were faced with the problem. The intern, the beloved intern, Alice, well, she is gone. She went back to school and she had been making all the clip videos and now, well, it falls into our lap. And yes, we've never done it before. So what are we going to do? We, yes, we are, we are fans of sports, but uh, we had not, <laughs> we have not done the, uh, the highlight reel creation yet we've done a lot of the consumption uh, yes and, and alice like has most... been working hard and uh she's been getting cranking out at least two cl- two clips a week so uh we have to match that pace <laughs> yes yes <laughs> if, if only we can and like so many things with interns there is really low supervision so no one's real worried about how we get it done we just need to get it done right we just need to receive the work and produce the work. It's a good old-fashioned async workflow. Yeah, but having something done is better than not, so the bar is zero. No offense to any interns out there. I know it's a learning process. <laughs> I want to make sure. That's right. So it sounds like a, a natural integration with an asynchronous message queue called Outlook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, the asynchronous message queue we've all, we're all familiar with. Uh, the other one is the fun one that uh, lights up on my desktop every day, Slack or Teams, yes. you know, whatever, whatever, you know, it's not durable, but it is, uh, it is persistent. <laughs> yes. We'll call these uh, loosely structured uh, command messages, <laughs> right? And loosely structured result messages. Maybe with a uh, chat GPT making the rounds, uh, it feels a little more normal to just be using English to tell uh, automation what to do. <laughs> yeah, I like to call it uh, streaming specification, where 
you know, the boss or the project manager is like, okay, I wanted to do X. And then a few minutes later, I want to do Y too. Oh, and then I want to do Z. And then, you know, yeah, I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm kind of coming up with this off the top of my head. That's right. Or and from the customer. Yes, yes. And, and you have to be actively be drawing things out, you know, because all those requirements are still in the head. It just hasn't drained out into the email yet, unless you go and pull on them. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think one of the reasons why is because a lot of these problems are, they're, they're, as we call them, situated problems. They're problems that are, you know, set in the real world. And so you, you need to know about all the things that are in the real world, you know, all the, all the all the different pieces of things that you need to put together and oftentimes it's hard for one person to know that and so as as one person's exploring they're often sending messages to another person to be the one that implements and so i think it's a it's it's kind of a it's a learning problem it's not so much a communication problem although sometimes that's also the case <laughs> <laughs> we we have all of those to just layer on top <laughs> yes. of all the Additional. other parts right it's we are in a situation. We have something we need to do. We've never done it before. Some of these parts are up to us. We're, you know, shocker, going to find a way to use closure to solve this problem. I know you didn't see that coming. But closure. Closure <laughs> for Sportify. Mm, cool. Yes. <laughs> Closureify. See, it just doesn't it just doesn't flow like Sportify. And so we're going to use closure to help us solve that problem, but we need to figure out pieces that we don't control. Situated problems, we don't control everything. We got to figure it out. So how are we going to figure it out? As it's so, so nice that you say the things we can't control. I like to think of it as things that are foisted upon us that we are have to deal <laughs> with, you know. But well, yes, yes, that's a good question. Yes. I mean, some some architectural genius somewhere in the organization someone you never <laughs> you've never met maybe they're a fellow a distinguished fellow in the organization and they went and read a white paper on something and now every, all these poor programmers have to implement using that technology right <laughs> hopefully the bitterness right. is not showing through too brightly <laughs> yeah sorry let's, let's let's talk about happy parentheses again and so we're in this situation. It's this new situation. We need to explore. We need to figure it out. And we don't know a ton, but we do know that there is a database that has information in it, presumably about the events. There's some kind of system that has all the media in it that we've heard about. Everyone keeps calling it a MAM, uh, but I think that <laughs> stands for Media uh, Manager, Media Something. And, um, oh, yeah, media asset manager. And then <laughs> we got to get, we got to get the, the, the files out of these things somehow so that we can put them together. And I guess we got to put them back somewhere. I don't know. Like, we got to figure out where this stuff is. So wh wh what do we do? How, how do we even start to figure it out? What, what do you do, Nate, when you're thrust into this sea of brand new technology pieces and you know about some of them, but you need to start figuring it out. Well, I think the first thing I usually do is I go for the uh, completely correct and entirely comprehensive documentation uh, <laughs> that usually describes all of the different use cases that I might need. And in fact, usually has a sample code so that I can just drop it into my closure program and, and actually run it without any problem. That's usually what <laughs> yes. I go to first. 
all the scenarios that are documented. <laughs> In fact, it probably even has the scenario you need right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not uh, sure what yeah. planet you work on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a lovely work environment. Are they hiring? <laughs> <laughs> I, I always think that there's a document. I, I do think documentation is a good place to start because oftentimes there's like, like a getting started or that kind of thing. And oftentimes, especially with an a, like, like an API or a, a database, you know, there's like, you know, the structure of the database and how to authenticate with it and all that stuff. You know, there's probably some documentation on how to, how to do that. So you do need to kind of learn a little bit of the lay of the land. But oftentimes documentation falls flat because uh, it's hard to keep in sync with the code with actual behavior. So. Right. I tend, to, I tend to see that first, but then I, I, I then I, I go, I always go to my REPL. I like the REPL. Uh, yes, the REPL. Now, we've talked about this a number of times in this podcast of using the REPL to explore and figure things out. And of course, my favorite way of doing this is to fire up a fiddle file, which uh, we will link to that episode where we talk about what a, what a fiddle file is. But it's just mm-hmm. a closure source file that you're going to use in your REPL connected editor. And you can evaluate those forms using a key sequence and it sends it to the REPL and it gives you the result back, back in there. And I know Nate, you use Conjure and Vim. I'm -hmm. still using Fireplace in Vim. So we're both Vim users, but clearly this is doable in Emacs and Calva and some, some other, other ones, right? (laughs) Exactly. So what do you have yeah, to do I, to set up a fiddle file? Well, and and I think so. Well, okay. So so as far as setup goes, I mean, I I I've usually in the past like there's a, like a dev tree in in the application, and so a lot of the um, fiddle files end up going in there because um, you don't want to ship them with your actual application code, um, but you do want to have them you know near the application code so that you can you know in, include you know, include uh, calls to that application code, but also at some point in time, move functionality from Fiddle over into application code. I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Um, so I think that's that's one way that, I, that I've done it. Uh, how have you done it? So uh, one way I've done it is I create a closure project that is a skeleton closure project. And all these things tend to live in the dev directory. Right. Mm-hmm. So you you put the dev directory on your path in your uh, well. I tend to be using the closure depths EDN these days, and in there you have uh, your user namespace, and then I make fiddle namespaces in there. But what's cool with depths EDN is I can put a file reference in there, and that file reference points off to my other project that I'm working on. Right. So what's neat is I can just create this skeleton project. So minimalist depth EDN, this dev directory, I make a fiddle folder inside dev, and I just call this namespace like fiddle.whatever, right? It's Mm, just at the top. I don't have to worry about it colliding with other things. Uh, I have yet to meet the library that uses the top level fiddle namespace. (laughs) And um, I can just fire up closure within REPL. So I add in, in REPL. And I just fire up uh, closure running within REPL, and then my fireplace thing will connect to that. And then I open, yeah, I make that that fiddle file in that namespace. I open it up, and then I uh, start to edit. 
later on, I'm going to have a project that's going to have more details, but actually don't even worry about making that other project yet. I just start with a single fiddle file and start adding dependencies into the depths EDN as I'm trying things out. You know, in in this case, like task one, in my mind, is going to be the database. We've got to get after that database, see what's in that database. So I'm going to be adding next JDBC in there into my depths EDN and um, re- restarting my REPL so that I can um, I can now import that namespace into my fiddle file and start doing things. That's very interesting, keeping the the fiddles separate as in like a, so your application itself is a dependency. Um, I think one of the reasons why I tend to put my fiddles in the project is, at least nowadays, is a lot, I use a lot of more line again for products, projects, and it's a little harder to do that, that flexible, you know, depend on another project and just this local directory um, using line again. Um, are you using line again? Why are you using line again? Have you moved to line again from the depths EDN <laughs> or is are, there another reason? Are, I, I work on some code that uh, is a little older. It predates uh, depths EDN. And so ah, it has yeah, not yeah. been migrated so, yet, maybe, is the way you to say it. <laughs> but Speaking I, I, of situated problems, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, this code was a, made eons ago. <laughs> definitely lower on the priority than other bugs. Um, yes, yes. But one of the things that I thought is interesting is because, you know, you put it in your dev, in your dev directory and then you want to, you can require it like that. It's, it's, it's in your class path, but uh, I've also been able to do, you can just put a, like put a, a closure file literally anywhere and load it into your REPL. Like it doesn't have to be in uh in a, in a source path on your class path, anything like that. Um, which is kind of a cool idea because it makes you can you can have like standalone. I mean, you have to get to have something that starts up an end REPL, you know, yeah. connection. But you know, usually that will include the the past, you know, the actual application data or the dependencies, like you said, like NextJDBC. And but then once you're past that, you don't really have to have these fiddle files be in your source path until you get to the point where you want the fiddle file to include other files. Then. You need to have some those 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 being your class path, but the fiddle file itself doesn't have to be. Which I thought was I see. Yeah, I have a a global alias, and so you know how you can have a global depths EDN. Um, it's mm-hmm. like dot closure slash depths EDN, and so I have a global <laughs> alias, so I can just run closure. I okay, don't quote me on this. I'll put the actual command in the notes, but closure <laughs> dash m right in REPL, and it just boom, fires up a REPL right wherever I'm at and and with in-REPL support, and then I can create a closure file. And so does that closure file have to be in a source directory or can it just be right there in the same directory be, you run your in-REPL? Anywhere. anywhere. Oh, how fun. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and I think I, I haven't played with it, but I, one of the things I want to play with is the newer closure versions alphas have... Uh, ad lib so you don't even have to restart your REPL if you want to add a library to your uh, class path oh yeah so i haven't had a chance there's to the try potential that. of having like a zero just just a clj file and and be able to start from there you know before you right. have to you know instead of having to start a project with a, a, a project clj or a depth cdn anyway i think we're right. digressing slightly right but and if you want to clean if you want to clean out the REPL, you can control c in the REPL. <laughs> and I guess it's probably worth mentioning you and I use Tmux, so we have a split. You know, so the REPL's running in a split often. Uh-huh. And so 
Um, I know things like Calva can just launch REPLs for you in the background and use it that way. So that's kind of where, where, where we put our fiddle files. But then I think a good thing to ask is what do you, how do you approach making a fiddle file? Like how do you, how, what, you know, <laughs> the, it can be said that programming is debugging an empty file. Well, how do you, how do you make, you know, what's your approach? I love that. I love that. Right. It's like the the first bug is my application does nothing. So I'm going to fix it does not the first exist. bug. So I just start with a file that I, I'll name it like fiddle. In this case, database. We're going to figure out the database. So fiddle.db <laughs> is going to be the namespace. Right. And right so on the nose. I'm going to make a directory called fiddle. I'm going to put a file in there called db.clj. That way, closure, you know how the namespace in the past all have to line up. And then I'm going to require NextJDBC in there and make a def for my uh, database connection. It's called like a can data source, mm-hmm. what NextJDBC calls it. That's, it can just be a map from what I remember. It can be like a whole like connection pool or whatever, but you can also have it just be a map, which is I love the flexibility of that. Yes, yes. And so I think what I do is I take a map describing, you know, my Postgres parameters. I just hard code them in this file because I'm not going to be checking this file into revision control yet. Eventually, I'm going to make a file called like devedn. And devedn is going to have some config in there, which will never get checked in. And I can just open the edn file and parse it very easily with slurp and the built-in Eden parser, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to go ahead and put this in the fiddle. It's just low effort, right? I just want to get started. I want to query this database. I want to get something out of it. So I type my Postgres info into the map. I pass the map into the data source and and I def that and I call it DB. So now I have a, a, a define, a def there in that file called DB that I can just use. And I'm going to define functions and I'm going to have them take a DB as an argument because I'm thinking down the road, I'm always going to pass DB in. I'm not going to have it close over that reference. And so typically I do something like really silly where I just make a function called version and I'm going to put a a SQL execute statement in there. It's just going to query for the Postgres version (laughs) because I want to make sure or like select 42, you know, something like that to make sure I hit the database, it ran it, and I got a result back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I think the, the close, the, the faster you can get to something that actually touches the outside world and start where you start learning, sorry, the, the, the faster you start touching the outside world, the sooner you'll start learning. You'll learn instantly if your database spec is correct. You'll learn instantly if that, if the, uh, you're calling the right, you know, next JDBC function is the, the point of this, you know, this fiddle is to learn. And so the sooner you start learning, like don't write a whole bunch of functions, don't write a whole bunch of, don't try to, I, okay. So what I, what I, what I do some, sometimes I, my first version of a fiddle is very messy. Like sometimes I will just literally write the next JDBC call with the inline, you know, database yeah. configuration map and the, and the query, like just get the first version. And then instantly you can be like, okay, well then pop that out as a def. You know, seal closure, seal closure LSP can refactor that out. You know, and, and so you can you can quickly like kind of one of the things that I, I think a lot, and I, we've talked about it before, is you want to get to your first rewrite as fast as possible. And so, writing the messy version first 
then you can learn what you want the next version to be. Even if the next version is also messy, you know, eventually get to a pretty version that you want to keep. But um, yeah, exactly. The sooner you learn, the better. Yeah, exactly. And so, like like you, I'll make a comment block, and then just write the SQL exec statement right there in the comment block. Evaluate, evaluate until until I get it working. You know, like, oh, no, I, I put the wrong password or, oh, I put the wrong port or, oh, I put the wrong host name. I accidentally had a typo in the host name. And, and then I don't know. You showed me this trick. I didn't really know about this trick for a long time, but you can do pound underscore in front of a form. And that's the readers ignore the next form. And there doesn't even you can have space there. It can be on the previous line. It, so long as it proceeds, whatever follows, it could be on a following mm-hmm. line. You know, you can put pound underscore. And so I'll have some combination of comment blocks in that. And and so I'm I'm writing all of these like kind of hard-coded SQL statements to just kind of figure things out. And then I go, aha, I should make a function for that. And then I write mm-hmm. a function and I don't write the function in a comment block. I write it in there. But I'm starting to build up little pieces that are going to help me explore. I'm not writing the application. Right. We are in the exploration phase. We got to figure this Firmly. out and we're going to figure it out interactively using the REPL. We're getting our bearings, right? We're in a situation. <laughs> this is the situation room, right? Your fiddle file. And it's going to start from this seed <laughs> and it's just going to kind of, it's going to kind of go out from there. But we want to get, like you said, get in the code right away hitting an external service as soon as possible so we can begin to learn so that we're solving the right problem instead of some problem of our imagination. <laughs> right. And I, and I think because it's, we're talking, like the first thing we're, we want to fiddle with is the database. I think in the past, I would have reached more for the Postgres command prompt, you know, PSQL. Uh, to do some select, you know, some queries in there, and some you know, at least basically for describing the database tables and seeing kind of where where data is. Um, but nowadays, I, I tend to default more to using the REPL uh, because you can when you, when you when you when you run that. I mean, you, you can use you know closure pprint print table to print it out as a table. So now now you have basically a similar you know PSQL REPL experience in your connected editor. But the instant you want to do something with that data, you just take the print table call off and, oh, now you have a sequence of maps. And now you can do other analysis on that. Like, oh, uh, what are the, you know, I want to do, you know, I mean, you can do simple filtering and grouping with, with SQL. But once, you, once it's still closure data structures, the whole world of closure opens up and it's just all of the power of, of mixing and matching and, and anal- analyzing that data is open to you. And so that's kind of why I started defaulting more to using the REPL for that, my, like my database console. Um, right. I even have used it for a day, my database console like in ops work, you know, right now because it's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And there's no shame in opening some web-based database explorer. That's one way to see the information, right? But the goal here is to begin to kind of run our fingers through the data, so to speak. And and like you were saying, you can execute these statements and get a result. And another neat trick is you can have a def in a comment block. So I can def and then I name the result like, you know, example one. Mm-hmm. And then I run that and then I have a cache result there and I can send it over to portal using using that def. I can start 
building up a function. I'm not hitting the database every time I run it, right? Because I, mm-hmm. because I just have that data cache locally. If it's a large result, I can filter. Um, I've been known to uh, use SSH to port forward database access over the internet <laughs> to my REPL. <laughs> and sometimes that is not the fastest way to get the data. So by running the command and assigning the result to a def, they're in a comment block. You know it's not going to keep rerunning it every time you reload the namespace, but you're going to have a cache result that you can begin to work on, right? And mm-hmm. so we're we're getting into the real thing. We're getting real data, real code. This is going to begin to grow up into something. But for now, we just want to see what's there, begin to explore, get some working code so that we can uh, figure out what the next step is. <laughs> Yeah, we and we and we haven't even touched really kind of on like what is in the database. <laughs> but that's I true. think that you know that's 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 what the the point of this is more to talk talk through how we would approach the problem and not necessarily the specifics. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think and, it's, yeah, and and so here and so here we are. We have our REPL. We are connected to the database. We're beginning to query and see what amazing bits of information the database has and you'll have to wait until next week before you find out what is in store and we haven't even talked about any of the other systems how are we going to deal with those systems what's one to do well nate we are in a situation right and we're going to figure out how to get ourselves through the situation (laughs) it may it may have taken us a, a while to talk through the REPL and the, sorry, the fiddles that we've created. But in general, you know, I, it's usually, you know, within a few minutes, maybe five minutes that I'm at the point where I'm querying code, I'm querying uh, databases, I'm querying stuff because, you know, it's, it's at this point in time, I've, I've set these fiddle files up a lot. And so, but it's such a powerful tool and it's wonderful that it's so quick to set up as just definitely something to recommend. It's hard to imagine the workflow because it's not a workflow that you do in other languages. So if you haven't done this before, it's hard to just imagine it. And so that's why mm-hmm. we're spending some time to just be real specific mm-hmm. on what we do for this. And it's very REPL, but it's REPL connected editor first, not just REPL first, but REPL connected editor first. And and there's a little bit of a fine distinction. <laughs> it's certainly a lot of fun to talk about. And uh, we're going to be continuing this series next week. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, I uh, hope, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions about the connected editor or setting up fiddles, please reach out to us. You can tweet at closuredesignonx.com or send us an email to feedback at closuredesign.club or hop onto our podcast channel on the Closurian Slack closure design dash podcast and talk with us there give us suggestions about how you might be using uh what you might be exploring with your fiddle or if you have any questions about setting them up that's right our hub for all things related to this podcast is closuredesign.club so hop on over there you can find our episode notes for this episode and we include our favorite quotes if you want to read some quotes you can go there every now and again we're known to Add a little bit of code, too. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So go on over to closuredesign.club and check out this episode there. All right. 
We'll be back with our situation again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.